speaking of uh, your show being accidentally sexy, mm-hmm. we went and saw Story Story Live at the Rio. You saw the X-rated one because you voted for Claire. Yeah, with yes. my we went with my sister, and oh, was that awkward? <laughs> it was. It was. Um, I think I think beforehand uh, I hadn't done my research into what I was getting into, and it was a great show. I was just yeah. sitting there, like you know, trying not to make any eye contact with her or anything. Totally get that. And you know, we're laughing at different points of it, revealing little things subtly <gasps> I about know, each other. Right? Oh, that's so funny. I uh, I love that about. I feel like it's a good show to go with people that you want to get to know. Yeah. better because they will react to different things or be surprised by different things and it really kind of gives away where their interests or experiences lie i would love to be in the audience of that show one day of your own show yeah i mean i won't be of that just that show just story story live it'd be very interesting maybe but you could have a guest host and sit in the audience i wouldn't give away the stage time i wouldn't trust somebody else with that show i feel like it's very delicate this is kind of off topic that reminded me once um my friend who's a an editor he told me how he wants to have his funeral and uh, at this historic theater back in Perth where we come from, mm-hmm. said everyone's sitting on stage looking out at the audience and he's uh, embalmed in a tux with a playbill, 3D glasses and a box of popcorn. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I guess you got to know him, but the look on his, fa- no, uh, on his face that. as well. No, I like that a lot. I think that's very specific. Yeah. And it's interesting. It sounds kind of art house without context, but it's it's more of a comedic thing. Yeah. No, I feel like that would be very comedic. I hope he actually does it, but he probably won't because he's Catholic. Also, there's different countries have different rules about what you can do with your body when you die. Yeah, and I can't imagine you could do that in Australia. I've told a lot of people a lot of different uh, different ideas of, of what to do with me when I when I pass. Mm-hmm. What was your, what's your favorite? What, what, what do you really want to say? Like, there's no rules, no judgment. You could just like have your loved ones open an envelope and find out the instructions on what to do with your body. What would it be? Uh, well, actual legitimate things is I want to find out if I can donate my body to art instead of to science. Right. So like, you know, have people use my bones in art projects. That'd be awesome. But I'd want to somehow vet the artists. Like I wouldn't want just... I can understand that, yeah. Some like Etsy scrub selling my fingers as... Uh, you know, necklaces or something. Another one, this is an idea this is I had. great subject matter. I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I'm somehow interviewing myself here <laughs> now, but... I, I switched it around on you a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's good. It's good. The other one was my friend is a programmer, and we talked about writing up a program that would answer jokes on Twitter and Facebook as me. Oh, wow. But, like, it'd have keywords to be the same kind of things that I would normally reply to. Yeah. So it would be like I'd be a ghost in a machine and I'd still be alive because it'd be an, an AI of myself. That would be such an interesting concept, though, too, is if you had, like, if you could make an app like that for, like, Jerry Seinfeld or something like that, then people could just, like, push something in and find out what a professional comedian... I think it'd be pretty controversial. People would... It would be That'd upset a lot of people. But, okay, but that'd also be a selling point. You know, yeah, that's true. You know? I care. I think people would pay think. a lot of money I don't for want to that, piss right? People. I've actually just announced a show today that I'm doing that I'm really worried is going to piss people off. Oh, really? What's that? It's called Whitish. Whitish? Yes. Is it in response to Blackish? It's no, not at all any response to Blackish. It's in response to the fact there's a lot of people that appear to be white that are actually mixed race or biracial. Um, and so story, stories being told by people that may appear white but aren't white but are in general biracial. Are there a lot of people like that in Vancouver? 
Of course, yeah. There's tons. There's like I'm in a mixed race relationship right now, and it's I mean we're not producing children, thank God. Um, but you know, definitely something that I think a lot about. My my um my mom is mixed race or biracial, whatever the terminology is that you want to use for that. And um, so it's definitely been something on my on my mind a lot. And then uh, one of the things I've come to realize, um, especially when I was dating on like on Tinder, is the first thing people ask is what are you, and the annoying thing about that is that your race and your sexuality are two things you have no control over. Like you don't. So why are people asking those, like that number one thing that you have no control over? And I think if you grew up in Vancouver and you grew up with two different cultures, that doesn't make you those cultures necessarily, but it does at the same time. It's very, I don't know, it's, it's conflicting. I talked to a few different people that were biracial and they were very interested in the project. So it'll be six storytellers, um, performers, the varying um, professionalism, some people a bit newer, talking about what it's like to grow up with two or more races in there. Would that be a, a live show or a recorded it'll show? It'll be a live show. It's going to be Havana's October 20, uh, 12th and 13th. So oh, it'll cool. be two one-hour shows. We're looking forward to it. Nice. So uh, Which check is the fact that it's called Whitish because people don't like attention on, on white. <laughs> but that was the title that I wanted to call it. So... So uh, now that we know a uh, little bit about your race and sexuality, maybe I should introduce you and oh, that would tell be the great. listeners I your did name. not give away my sexuality now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just a, just a little bit that it exists. It exists. I do yeah. have sexuality. That's true. And you do also have an ethnicity. I have uh, both of those things that I have no control over. <laughs> over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam Territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pester me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 for the first 30 minutes of the show. I'm joined today by Bruce Willis, Talia Murdoch, and Joe Dvorak, host of Story Story Lie. How's it going, Joe? I'm good. Where's Bruce Willis? Well, see, what I've done is told you two truths and a lie. Okay. Oh, the thing about the... I didn't clue into that. Uh, the thing about the deaths? Oh, no. no. Uh, so I, I'm joined by three guests today. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well... Talia isn't a guest. You're here, and I guess that uh, cancels out Bruce Willis. So he would be the lie. Yeah. Maybe that one didn't land as well as I thought it would. I didn't. I was wasn't sure what to expect with that. Yeah. See, I try and come up with like a different joke every week, uh, based on. I feel like the podcast listeners are really enjoying it. Yeah. And just make me not as quick. I I didn't get my second coffee today. It's tragic. Would you like a diet Dr Pepper? I would really not like I'm, I'm uh, no, I would not like. <laughs> it's got caffeine in it. <laughs> yeah, that's I was trying to think of something quick that I have with caffeine. No, no, that's uh, good. I don't like s- require caffeine to survive, but I usually do my day in two shifts because I have a day job and I take a little break and I do my, my night stuff. So I didn't get my coffee for my second shift today, but that's fine. You're surviving. Absolutely. Thriving. It's been a, a little clear. We were just talking about uh, you can finally see the mountains again. Yeah. I saw an airplane in the sky last night and I, I stopped and gazed at it without realizing like how weird it was that I hadn't seen an airplane in a while and why I couldn't stop looking at it. Yeah. It was so weird. But yeah, thank God the clouds have cleared. So I'm pretty sure God had nothing to do with it actually, but <laughs> maybe some kind cleared. of maybe some kind of God somewhere. Yeah. Figured it out. I don't yeah, know. One of them. Someone did some kind of ritual. Hopefully. Anyway, we'll find out about that. Oh, yeah. For, for those uh, who don't know, who don't live in Vancouver or uh, maybe listening to this down the line sometimes, Vancouver has been covered in smoke for 10-odd days now. Mm-hmm. 
and it's finally starting to clear. It was supposed to be the equivalent of smoking five cigarettes a day, just yeah. walking around outside. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so we're, we're at the 10, so it goes 1 to 10, the air quality rating, and uh, we're at 10 plus. So they're actually looking now at having to create a different way of ranking air quality because it's so bad, they have to like redefine how to look at air quality. It was the, the worst in the world this mm-hmm. week, wasn't it? We were, yeah. In Vancouver, worse than Beijing, mm-hmm. which was crazy. Like uh, when I flew to uh, Vancouver, I came via um, Guangzhou, and that's just hazy all the time. Oh wow! That's but then so I landed sad. in Vancouver during the forest fires last year. Oh, interesting. Okay. Is it, yeah. You've only been here for a year? Uh, no. About a year and a month. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe a bit more than that. What's it now? August I don't know, something. But you were at the, you went to the January show. Yep. So. Oh, one year, one month, four days. Mm. Yeah. Is it actually on your watch? Yeah, you... I got date, time, calculator. That's so cool. I use some of the features. <laughs> I got a really cute watch uh, for my fellow. Thank you. And uh, it's a chargeable, fancy little thing. Uh, a smart the, watch? Yeah, it's a smart watch. And the dog ate the charger. So I haven't been able to use it because it's dead. Well, that should be the easiest bit to replace, right? It's about the same cost as the watch. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's how they get you. It's shipping. So right. we're waiting for it to be shipped over. So, yeah, we got it. Um, but, yeah, I really miss having a watch. So... You're the host of uh, Story Story Live. Yes, and creator and producer. Yeah, that's that's important to note as well. Uh, for the listeners who don't know, could you tell us a bit about the show? Sure. Um, Story Story Live started, uh, you know, I lied online and I said it was three years. We're going to our third season. It's our sec- It's our. Th- we're going into our third year. We haven't been around for three years. Uh, I got an idea because uh, I have a son who was, I guess, 12 or so at the time that I thought of it. Uh, and one of the things that really annoying children play is a game called Two Truths and a Lie. Well, they'll be like, today I pooed myself. I threw poo at a crow or uh, my friend pooed on the street. And one of them is true or one of them's a lie. One of them's a lie and two of them are true. And so that's the kind of thing that he would do with me. Uh, he does not talk like that. And I thought it would be interesting to try that in storytelling format. And so uh, that's how Story Story Lie got started. It's not the same as it was initially. We do six stories now uh, at the Rio Theater once a month. And one of the performers is lying. But the the premise of it is it's five minutes solid. Like there is a timer that goes off at five minutes. Music plays. They can't talk anymore. And then the audience gets to interrogate them, which is really fun. So it, it has the combination of, of being comedic, but it's not like a stand-up comedy room where you can't interact with the performers. It's a very warm, inviting room. I work really hard to make sure there's diversity on the stage, not just with race and gender, but also with age and accents. I love stories from other places. Yeah, but it's a really fun comedic night. The stories are always very extreme and don't seem true. So it's really hard to kind of guess who the liar is. Uh, at the end of the show, people text me who they think the liar is. The first person to text me right is the winner. And then the uh, performer who tricks the most people gets a big trophy. But, I mean, big, it really depends on which garage sales I hit up in the summer. <laughs> so. is, is it the same trophy with a different inscribed name? No, like they get Stanley their own Cup? trophy. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a pile of trophies at home. That I just have been collecting whenever I find Just one. hoarding for that? <laughs> it looks like I'm a really good golfer right now. Oh, no, uh, bowler. I've got like five or six bowling trophies. People come in there like, wow. And I live by Grandview Lanes. I live by the bowling alley and commercial drive. And my niece actually works there. And people are like, wow, you really must bowl. I'm like, I don't, I'm not a good bowler. <laughs> like, I want the bumpers up <laughs> if I'm going to go bowling. Um, um, but yeah, it's, a, it's, I mean, you enjoyed it, I'm assuming. Oh, you yeah. Asked me to come here. Uh, it's, a, I, I wanted to design it to be a show where you go, like, people could go with their kids i don't mean like younger kids but i mean like 10 and up and 
um, it turns out what I think people want is not actually what they want. So it is like a 19 plus show now. But my son, who's now 15, is the stage manager. So he's always at the show. Uh, inappropriate things always happen. It's really pretty funny. He also looks like he's in his 20s and he doesn't look like he's related to me. At all. You wouldn't have seen him because he wasn't at that at that show. He didn't Was that not. by design? Oh, he did not come to the X-rated show. Oh, God, no. And it wasn't recorded either. It's the only show I don't record. Every right. other show is recorded. So, um, yeah, I want to get those stories. Like, I want to get those stories that people will be too embarrassed and ashamed to tell elsewhere. And to me, the best way to do that and to make sure that they're, like, being detailed and dirty is to make sure they're not recorded. How often do you do the X-rated ones? Once a year. January. Right. I feel like that's the best way to cleanse from Christmas. That makes sense. And also, that's the time most people have sex. Like, December and January is when people are having the most sex. Does that mean the most birthdays happen around September? Um, August, September. Yeah, I'm August, baby. Okay. But I think that, I mean, a lot of the times people have sex and don't conceive. Right. So, you're an August baby. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you had a birthday recently? Yeah, August 4th. How was it? Uh, It was during Pride, so pretty, you know, quiet. But I turned 40, so I had everybody over and... Um, I just I sat in a hammock in my courtyard, my building all day, and I was handed drinks and food from the barbecue, and that was pretty perfect. It was a nice combination of like my friends and my like that are just you know normal people, and my friends that are performers. So we had like a lot of producers and comedians there too. It was, and a violin player, a friend of mine who plays violin, came and she was just like walking around playing violin for everybody. <laughs> it was really just cool. on her own accord. Yeah, she would just like, pull it out once in a while and just start playing music on the violin. It was really cool. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, it was really nice. God. Yeah, so uh, as you said, the concept of the show is based on two truths and a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to have a game? Yeah, well, so I do. What I'm doing right now is a story Yeah. that in it has a lie. And at the end, I will tell you, I will give you three options and see if you can guess okay. what the lie is. Well, would it help me to take notes? No. All right. You can't, you, no, do whatever you do in the audience. You can do right, whatever you do right. in the audience. It's about a three-minute story. So one of the things I've realized with getting older is the gifts suck. So children, like a two-year-old gets a bouncy castle, whereas when you turn 40, like the gifts are not as good. Uh, one of these examples is my mother handed me a box from Purdy's Chocolates, and I love Purdy's Chocolate. It's Vancouver's most historic original chocolatier. Uh, good chocolate if you're not from Vancouver. Get Purdy's Chocolates. So I get the box of Purdy's Chocolates. She hands it to me. She maintains eye contact while I remove the purdy stickers from the sides. I unfold the box. I look inside and it's not chocolate. And I'm trying to keep a straight face because she's looking at me while I'm opening the worst repackaged gift ever. It is two pairs of underwear. And I don't mean like panties. There's no lace. There's nothing pretty. There's no patterns. It's like one is gray and one is red. Two pairs of big granny underwear in a box that was meant and still smells like chocolate. So I pull them out. I kind of look at them closely. I realize they look exactly like the underwear that my mom is wearing. And well, I don't know what she's wearing right now, but that she would normally wear. And then um, upon closer inspection, I realize that they are from Superstore. Uh, I know because they say my name in them a Joe, but they also say they're fresh. <laughs> and I know they're from the bulk bin where they sell them $10 for three. But there's only two pairs in the box, which means that my mom ate a box of Purdy's chocolates and then suddenly required a pair of underwear um, that is from Superstore. And um, that is just where the gifts start going when you get a bit older, I guess. But it's nice underwear. Very supportive. I do appreciate them. All right. So the three options. Okay, the three options. The lie could be that it was in a Purdy's box, that there's two pairs in the box or that they are Joe Fresh. And uh, I'm supposed to interrogate you now to You can get ask to the me any questions you want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Or you can just guess. You don't have to ask questions. 
Joe Fresh, Joe Fresh underwear, mm-hmm. for people like me who don't know, uh, is that so? That's sort of like a home brand. It's Superstore. It's a grocery store. store. Yeah. Um, that is along the lines of any like I mean, it's called the Great Canadian Superstore. They sell everything from yeah. auto insurance to sun like or um, what are prescription glasses to haircuts, bad haircuts, but haircuts. Yeah, it's the home of the President's Choice as well. Yes, yeah. PC. I don't know if that's just Canada or if that's a worldwide thing. I'm not really sure. No idea. Yeah, well, I don't know either. I don't think worldwide, but maybe in the Americas. Could be in the Americas. Uh, so what was the what was the box advertising from from Purdy's? Oh, it's just the the Purdy's chocolates. They just have a special wraps that they use on them. It's usually a seasonal thing. So this was gold wrap with gold stickers on the side. But like Christmas, they have like stars or trees, and it was just it was just gold. What is what does gold signify? It's like a summer thing. I think there was supposed to be a really good box of chocolate. To me, if you're handed a, a gold box of chocolates, they're going to be the top of the line chocolates. It's like no raisins. Can I ask a somewhat personal question about your mom? Okay, yeah. Is she lactose intolerant? No. Okay. Because I think the implication from the story is that she ate the whole box of chocolates and, yeah. as you said, suddenly needed um, one out of three of the yeah, pair of underwear. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what happened in there. I never asked. Because I'm wondering... Like she definitely does not know that I that I'm talking about this right now. Yeah, so I I think I think that the that the lie is that there are only two. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, you're wrong. I'm wrong. Uh, the lie is that they were not Joe Fresh. Okay. They were from Costco. Oh right. Okay, that was a good misdirect with all that info about. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I do that as about a real it is a store. joke I love doing because I did get a pair of Joe Fresh underwear on my own accord. I bought my own Joe Fresh underwear from the bulk bin. And um, yeah, I really, uh, I think it's very funny to have my name in my underwear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just got the days of the week on mine. Really? Yeah, oh, it's good, but it's also bad because if you've only got one pair left and it's not the day So you're wearing it's Thursday on, on Tuesday. No way, I, I can't do it. So I've got to either get a dirty out or like Can you just write wash. not or just get like a little little sticker that says not on it to put at the end? Yeah, no, that's not a bad idea. Or maybe if like I have an inside out mode, so they're like <laughs> oh, reversible. Okay. So I've got two options I for everything. I see an day. end to our friendship here, Douglas. Uh, <laughs> tease. Um, yeah, anyways. So that's but like to the, the premise of the show. Uh, five people are telling the absolute truth. They're not allowed to exaggerate. They have to like swear a solemn oath that they're telling the absolute truth. And uh, and even during the question period, then the liar uh, does a lie in the way that we do the lie, because there's been some confusion about this. I had somebody in the very early stages of the show do a lie and they're like, oh, I just changed the person's name. And I was like, well, that's not really a lie. It's a misdirect. It's not really a lie. Yeah. So with the lies, they're based on, on you can, they can be based on a true place, a true person, but the actual action that happened. So you and I could be hanging out. We could be in this house. But the hippopotamus running into the house was a lie. Right. So that's, and that's where most lies come from. Like most people don't base lies of thin air. There's some truth. Like there's some root of truth to it. They just. Usually in your show, time. it's one person's story in its entirety is a lie, right? Yes. Yeah. Rather than... But it can be based on a true place and a true person. Do you ever do the format like uh, you just delivered then, where it's one story with three segments, where one part of it could be a lie? No, I do it like myself, but right. no, for the show, it's, it has to be a true, like a real lie. So I did a much more condensed uh, in the reverse role. I just wrote three facts about myself. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, That's that good. we could do. Yeah, yeah. So fact number one, I'm related to an ex-prime minister of Australia. Oh. Uh, fact number two, Moby has a photo of me. 
Um, <laughs> and fact number three, I can dislocate my shoulders at will. Okay. So one of those is false. So the shoulder thing, uh, were they dislocated accidentally and then you realize you can dislocate them at will? No, what it was is like a, a party trick I had. Like, uh, you know, when you can click your knuckles or right. like have a hitchhiker's thumb right. or okay. something. Yeah. And I was doing it for ages and it wasn't until I got older and some of my friends started doing uh, physio and stuff at uni that they told me that I was actually dislocating my shoulders. Oh, wow. Because I, I, I told them like, oh, I've never dislocated or broken anything. Right. And they said, well, you dislocate your shoulders all the time, like oh, at that's parties. So weird. And okay. it's really useful for getting to the, to the front of uh, marsh pits. <laughs> I don't want to be in the front of the mosh pit, so I wouldn't have. Uh... Okay, so the next one, Moby. Is he Australian? Uh, I think he's a New Yorker. Okay. So how did you meet him? Well, I was getting to the front of a mosh pit at a Moby show. Okay. And uh, he had a camera. Did you have your shoulders dislocated? That's how I got to the front, yeah. Okay. But because I can do it at will, they came back in. Okay. And so then he point pointed his camera. He was taking memories from the show. And all the people at the front. And I, at the time, had a shaved head. And I just popped my shoulders back into my sock. And I guess I was interesting to him. So he brings up his camera. I do the uh, the bloods sign because I was 19. Right. And um, which, uh, for the listeners, I, I just did. And uh, he takes a photo. And I don't have a photo of him, but he has a photo of me. So Interesting. It's kind of a power So move. where was this concert? It was in uh, near a place called Dunsborough. In so the it's... southwest of Australia. Okay. I was trying to remember because it's not exactly in it. It's uh, like near a country town. And how long ago was this? Well, I was 19 and I'm 28 now. So it was nine, nine years ago. ago. Okay. And it was, I can figure this out because I moved out January 5th. It was in January before I moved out. So I, I think it was on the 2nd okay. of January. Oh, wow. Okay. That you... 2009. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what was the first one again? I'm related to an ex-prime minister of Australia. Okay. Did you know him? Or is this the... He died before I was born. He died before you were born. Okay. And um, so how are you related to him? He's my great uh, great uncle, it would be. On your mother's side or your father's side? My mother's side. Your mother's side. Yeah. And, um, hmm. I think the Moby one's a lie. Why? Because uh, that seems like that could be true. And the way that the shoulders and the Moby thing worked in together, I felt like that was too smooth. All right. I think you didn't ask me enough questions because uh, I moved to Australia in 1997. Okay. And um, none of my family had ever lived there before. Moby does have a photo of me and I can dislocate my shoulders. Oh, <laughs> I just feel like the, the dislocating shoulders and Moby thing worked so well that I was like, do you okay. Want, do you want to see? No, I do not you want don't? to see. No, I do not. <laughs> My son's away for two but the weeks. But li- the listeners so really, want to see. The listeners, they can... They want to see me dislocate my shoulders live on they air. Can come over here and figure that out. That'd be great. Yeah. All right. It's a great talent. So um, I, was, yeah, I was wrong. You it's starting, me. Congratulations. It's, oh, thank you. Does, does that mean uh, I get a prize in the scenario of the show? Sure. You can have a prize. You want a prize? Oh, yeah. I'll give you a prize. You can have a two-for-one pass to Story Story Line. Oh, wow. Thank you. There you go. The next three show dates are written on the top there. All right. Talia, if you're lucky, you can come with me. Um, <laughs> Don't you mean if you're lucky, she'll come with you? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do mean that. Sorry. It's because uh, we're from Australia. Sometimes I get things upside down. 
Did the CBC ever get back to you about uh, adding the show to its lineup? They did. A year. It took them a year yeah. to say it sounds like a great premise, but it's not right for us. <laughs> it's weird to wait a year to say no. It is really if weird to wait a year no, to say no. If you're going to say no, just say it. Oh, and one of my friends had told me, because they do selective stuff for selection stuff for festivals, they said if they, if they get back to you right away, it means they're absolutely not interested. If they hold on to it for a while, it means that it's good enough that they're thinking about it. Right. Um. So, and that's one of the reasons why I started out kind of PG-13, and then when... CBC Radio said no. I was like, okay, well, um, yeah, I'd love to get the show on on TV or something, but yeah, I'm not sure what's gonna happen with that. It is a podcast. People can listen to it as a podcast. I upload um, individual stories, so it's just a very non-committal, like eight-minute listen, which I think is kind of nice. Yeah. Where can people find that? Story Story Live. It's uh, storystorylive.com is a website. You can find us on Spotify. We're on Apple or iTunes, whatever it's called, Google Play. Yeah, if you got on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, we've been waiting. I was really surprised how quickly they got back to me that they wanted us on Spotify. Yeah. It took maybe maybe two months before they were opening for applications when we first started. Okay. And we applied and but both the podcasts on our uh, network. But I haven't heard back about either of them. Either of them yet. I think they're getting more selective. Maybe. As well. Yeah. This was just a month ago. Right. That I got in. So like, but I emailed them and like a, a week later we were on. So yeah, yeah. So it's nice. It's um, I love the podcast. I think it's great. I like listening. I listen to it, which seems very weird to me. But I'm not really on the podcast because I just introduce the people, and then at the end I'll say whether the story was true or false. Uh, but you know, I really like it, and I like that it's like an easy listen. To me, eight minutes is a good amount of time to listen to one person's voice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 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 happy with that. Doing the audio edit, like you know, I guess you, do you do much audio editing? You just put it up live. Uh, no, I, I do a fair bit of editing. I yeah. take out me saying cool because I realize I say it too much. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I wonder like... if people that listen really know how time consuming that is because I say ah. Yeah. And uh, for a while, for the first season, if people swore, I would have to beep it out because we're on co-op radio. And then and we're at the 6 p.m. time slot as well. So it had to be, there couldn't be any swearing. And, um, and then I decided to stop having it on the radio because it was burning me out to have to do that much audio editing uh which was i mean i love cop radio i still have a show there i do the gay show out and about in canada every thursday at 8 p.m 7 p.m i know when my radio show i've been doing that for like i think it was three years now which is very nice so what's the uh call sign of that station it's um oh my goodness i've been off for two weeks cop radio cfro 100.5 fm it's real close to a citr as well on the band 101.9? One hundred one point nine. Yeah, 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 it is. It is. Drop a little plug for the people already listening it's right now. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, and those are the two indie stations in Vancouver. Well, that's good to know. I didn't know about the other ones. I can never find. I don't know like what stations to listen to. I okay. just installed a new radio in our car. Oh, very cool. Uh, it's got a reverse camera, which is pretty cool. So we've got this beat up the old. The radio band. does, or the car does. The radio does. Oh, okay. Um, the car is a two thousand and three GMC Safari that we're turning into a camper. Oh, that's so cool. And I got this uh, 70 bucks off Amazon. So it's not a car. It's definitely a van. It's a, is a van not a car? No, it's very different. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> so I got this uh, like touchscreen Bluetooth radio, and I wired it into the reverse light. So when the reverse lights come on, the reverse camera turns on. That's awesome. And it comes up on the screen. I've actually built a camper van before. Built a camera what? A camper van. I've built oh, a, camper a camper van. Oh, a camper van. Yeah. Cool. Do you still have it? No, it crashed. Um, but what I, I still have the box for it. So I built a, a box that I could put in the back of my Dodge Caravan because I had a 
Dutch, not the Grand Caravan, just the plain caravan. So I built a box that you can pull out. So I have a countertop that I found in a back alley that I cut into shape so that I could pull it out and it fits my Coleman stove perfectly. So I can make coffee in the morning. And then uh, it's got a, a hole in the side that fits my cooler perfectly. And then in the front, it has drawers that pull out, you know, so it was one side for my son and one side for me. And when they pull out, it has um, a, a unit that goes on top, like a, a shelf that goes on top. And that the, so that turns into a full bed. So nice. it's a full double size bed. And I had a mattress made for it, which is super comfortable. And it folds into a couch when we're not using it. But I don't have that van anymore. So the, the box is just sitting in storage, which makes me very sad. Any plans to bring it out of retirement? uh so oddly enough now that my son is 15 and 62 he's not very interested in van camping with his mom <laughs> so um i love van camping but it's not and it's something i want to do on my own but i don't really have the time or availability to do that right now yeah. um my uh upside i guess having a child younger is he'll be done high school in three years and then i'll have more availability to travel so right now i'm, I'm saving up to buy like what you have safari type van and camp rise that and I could do more touring and more fringe shows. So, yeah, that's kind of the plan with that. Well, that's the idea. We want to be able to drive it down to the States as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so I've done the whole – so I've done the whole Trans-Canada Highway. Yeah. Um, but that was in a Toyota Yaris. We flew to Newfoundland last year to St. John's in Newfoundland. And then on Canada Day, we started driving back. So we drove the entire Trans-Canada Highway. I've driven the whole I-5 to San Diego. I wanted to go to Mexico, but Luke's – my son's dad wouldn't allow it. Right. <laughs> Didn't want him going into that area. And um, and then the Pacific Coast Highway, which is the one that goes right along the waterway from San Diego back to Vancouver. It's a very long drive. It's gorgeous. So when you did the Trans-Canada Highway, I read that you were doing a, an audio project. Yeah, so we were interviewing families. And it didn't, the trip didn't work out the way that I wanted it to work out. Um, but I've got some really good stories. And I've been writing about it. I was at the SFU's Writer Studio, so and I wanted to turn that into a book. I don't... It can definitely turn into a book. We've got a lot of great stories. My my project was to uh, make every province a chapter and then talk about the people that we met in that province and the trip that we had in that province. It was kind of interesting because the some of the money I was supposed to have coming in didn't come in when it was supposed to. So we're stuck in Cape Breton with like $5. It was really bad um and we're staying in a hostel it was the first hostel that we stayed in it was actually fairly nice as far as hostels go and uh they have like when you when you stay in hostels they have that leftover food cart like a little basket and somebody had like a brown banana in there and so we had like a package of oatmeal (laughs) like it was just it was really funny it was um and as a parent i really try to hide how scary it is when i don't have food (laughs) for my son can I imagine? Um, and it worked out fine, but it was just, it was a scary few days. It was uh, just because I was worried that we wouldn't ha- have enough money to get home. And um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, things worked out and it made it a good story, but it was, uh, it's it's hard to do a drive that long. It's an 84 hour drive along the highway. It took us 18 days to do it. We were sleeping in the car for a, a good portion of it. And um, one of the great tricks that we did, and, and you should definitely do this going to the States, is you find a gym that's in every area you're going to so in canada good life we don't have very money in in vancouver but they're in every other province and every major city so we got a good life trial for twenty dollars each (laughs) and then we could use their showers so and i'm a runner so i would go there and do my half an hour run in the morning and my son initially was like i'm not gonna work out i'll just sit in the massage chairs and then finally he decided to lift some weights and now he is a weightlifter and a boxer (laughs) so he's done like this huge transformation of being like a like I will say a fairly inactive young man to going to the gym three to six days a week 
lifting heavy weights, being like incredibly fit. And I look very close to the same. <laughs> I still go to the gym <laughs> constantly. Um, yeah. So it was that was a really nice part of the trip. I think was that we we love working out. It's that's like the thing that we do together. So yeah. That's definitely a good idea for getting the showers. It's a really good idea for getting do, the shower. Do they care if you boondock in their parking lot? Uh, I don't think so. They're not paid very much, man. So it's kind of sad. That's a good point. Yeah, and they're, they're, it's it's basically like walking it's... into like a huge mall that's a that's a workout facility, and they have steam rooms and saunas and stuff too. It's great. How long um, did that twenty dollar trial go for? It's two weeks. Oh shit! Nice. Yeah. But yeah. even, like, a lot of the times you can get memberships on sale and just use them as a, a place. Like I, I suppose I, if you're going around for three months or something, you get, like, a three-month membership and it'd be cheaper than accommodation. I think sometimes, too, you can get the membership. I hope the listeners are impressioning this. Sometimes you can get membership, and um, but then if you move away, then you can get it canceled, but you have to, like, show proof of a different address. So if you were just going to the States and you're coming back to Canada, they didn't have a facility here, then you'd be able to, I believe. This is not legally, like, sound advice, but that's what i've done before with gyms as well well there's a difference between law and policy mm-hmm. it's the store's policy you can break that as long as you're not breaking laws yeah but those contracts i just don't i don't know yeah i had a gym membership once i didn't want to use anymore my doctor just wrote me a note which is nice but yeah. uh, doctors doctors are writing notes it was Take- a, it was the wrong gym for me it was an all-women's gym which i thought would be great and it was not was it like a curves or something no uh nothing have curves. i think curves is gone actually i haven't seen any around in a while uh, okay, so it was a Fitness World, which is now owned by Steve Nash. And uh, Fitness World, they had like a women's only section. And because they had a women's only section, no women used the normal facilities. And I would use the normal facilities, but then guys would always be flirting out with me because I was the only woman in there. And it, and it really kind of seemed like I was there to get hit on. Like I can understand that. Uh, but the women only side, they're so competitive with one another. And, and they were just kind of like, I felt eyeing me up. Like, you know. Yeah. You're kind of fat. <laughs> Look at your ass, and that kind of a thing. And I just didn't. I didn't feel comfortable there at all. So uh, I go to a, a recreational facility gym now. I love it. There's uh, bodybuilders. There's always some dude in jeans on the treadmill walking, <laughs> and it's just like this great variety of of people that are all just there to work out. And um, that's a very friendly environment. I appreciate it. So yeah. I've always been turned turned off from any gyms that develop a scene. A scene? A, a scene? A scene. Is, I guess my accent. Like, uh, sort of develop their own subculture of, you know, yeah. al- alpha gym rats and yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, like, if you're in that, then maybe it feels good, but it's just not really, I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. why I stopped going to my climbing gym, actually. It was the most fun part of it was the bouldering cave. I don't know if you got into climbing much. I did some climbing, yeah. And there it was just like, all these dudes would sit on the couch and they just watch you do your bouldering runs, uh, basically, and critique you while you were doing it. Oh, that's so mean. Yeah. Well, they thought they were being constructive, but I think they also knew that they weren't. Um, they, I'm quite sure they were just trying to have fun at somebody else's expense. Yeah. It's a way that it was. Uh, so what was your background before podcasting and radio? Um, oh, it's a sad story. I can tell it really quick and then we can just move on. Okay. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll, I'll read my next question now okay. so I can ask you it right at the end. Okay. Oh, you're reading it yourself. I think I meant out loud. Yeah. Okay. So I, I had a very close friend that lived next door to me, my best friend, and she ended up having colon cancer. And so she was very sick. And for like a year and a half, uh, it was just very time and emotional consuming of helping take care of her and her kids. 
Uh, and then she died, which was sad. She was also a performer. She was a dancer. Um, and I had a, a serious um, fear of speaking in public. I think I could speak to people, but the idea of being on a stage and having a microphone on the lights on you and like you being that authoritative person that everybody's listening to absolutely terrified me. Uh, she was quite insistent that I talk at her service because I'd always be cracking jokes when she was sick and she wanted me to help make people laugh and feel relaxed and tell a story. And so I agreed to do it and there was just this like wash over me of feeling like I belonged there when I did it. Like the anxiety just like, because really your best friend dying is like kind of the worst thing, especially demising the way that she demised. It was really sad and I, I felt totally lost because my my time was like work take care of my kid take care of her take care of her kids like that's what I was doing with my time and then all of a sudden I had all this time in my hands and so I decided to try doing a, a stand-up comedy class so that I could get better at storytelling and um and then I just kind of fell into stand-up I just loved it because it was like it gave me so much to do with my time there's open mics almost every night in Vancouver so I could just go to an open mic nobody knew anything about me I could kind of just like start over and have a new existence and um but yeah colon cancer that's how I started doing. <laughs> I, I know I said we move on right away, but yeah, I mean, you say it's a sad story, and obviously there are sad elements to it, but yeah. it's kind of happy in a way as well. I mean, that her uh, wanting you to speak at her service led to these things that you you find so much uh, can I say joy in? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's important to I mean, do that, that, and like one of the things I definitely learned from seeing her die because she was young. She was I think thirty four when she died. Um, one of the things that I realized from that is like, number one, that's like a big loss and dealing with that helped me realize that I, I don't, I didn't have a fear of failure anymore. So to me before going on stage and saying something stupid or, or saying something and not getting laughed at when I want to get laughed at, that was the most terrifying thing in the world to me. And then now I'm like, okay, well I'm dealt with a real thing and I'm not, I wasn't afraid anymore, which is really, so in general, uh, I, I mean, I've only been doing performing for just about three years now. And the reason it's gone well for me is because I have a background in business, which is amazing. I'm very fortunate. People get a background in business. It will help you in whatever you do. And um, yeah, I, 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 so I wanted to be able to produce shows when I saw what, what was happening. There wasn't much of a storytelling community in Vancouver. Uh, it was really stand-up improv. There wasn't much sketch. There's much better sketch now, which is great. And um, yeah, but I wanted to be able to bring stories to to stage and help people have a place to go and just forget about the shit going on in their lives and hopefully like broaden their minds a bit while they're being entertained at the same time, which is what I try to do when I'm selecting the storytellers for the shows. Well, it's uh, something to think about, listeners. If uh, you're going through a self-destructive phase, a, yeah. a s good Get way to self-destruct is uh, go up on stage and rip yourself apart that way. Yeah, yeah. I it was It was exactly what I needed at the time. I mean, if you feel like as well you've got nothing to lose, then... Mm -hmm. go for it and i'm really glad i did like i i've taken some time off of of performing well mostly producing uh for the summer and it's i feel so lost without it it's so weird and even because i do a weekly storytelling show every wednesday night um at the drive coffee bar and commercial drive and i've taken that off as well what's and that called it's called weekly stories i'm not good at naming things <laughs> Like the names of all the shows. Oh, something that I do. to be said about it. It's it's efficient. It's well, and I realized there's nothing else called weekly stories or weekly comedy. Or like, I didn't find anything else called weekly anything. So then, Vancouver. if someone wants to Google weekly storytelling, weekly stories Vancouver, then you're gonna yeah. pop up. Yeah, that's your business background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've started a separate entity called Story Story Productions. So Story Story Lie does the Story Story Lie show. Story Story Productions does. Uh, I could do a solo show called Oh Man, which is about uh, my fear of raising a man. 
on my own and uh and then i'm doing the show while you're through story story productions as well and i do a mother's day fundraiser called mom's best which is it was absolutely amazing and it was one of those shows where i wasn't sure how well it was going to be attended and it was like sold out like people through the windows to see and it was, it was all people like not necessarily all mothers but people telling stories about motherhood and uh, my goal was to make sure that every mother in that room felt like they had a, a chance to kind of like tear up a little bit over a heartwarming story and laugh really hard and the money all went to crystal society I do as many fundraisers for them as I can. Um, it's a, a group that helps women overcoming abuse and addiction uh, to uh, maintain housing and to uh, learn how to be self-sufficient so they don't have to get back into abusive relationships. And uh, quite a few of those women have children that they don't have custody of. Their children are in foster care. And I feel like this, our culture puts so much emphasis on helping children and not just helping the parent. But if you can help the parent be available for their child, I feel like that's such a, that's just, a leap that we need to take and we need to think more about that yeah you're helping um, double the people that way or more yes absolutely that's so a crystal chrysalis society so chrysalis like the thing oh, that the, chrysalis the chrysalis yeah yep, gotcha we both talk funny um, yeah so i do um as many fundraisers for them as possible and just who talks normal what's the no normal voice there's no no you know what's the normal i accent? had a hilarious let's talk about my first husband for a second uh, he came by uh and we we're chatting and, and he was asking where my boyfriend or what what language my boyfriend spoke growing up and i was like well english and he's like yeah but he has an accent and i was like people that speak english have accents he's like no you get an accent from speaking a different language and i was like Australian, British. And he was like, well, that's like the different forms of English. I'm like, yes, it's called an accent. <laughs> you don't have to speak a different language. Anyway. So he was thinking of like, shit, what would the word, is there a separate word for that when being English as a second language? Well, gives ESL. You an accent? Yeah, but do, do you have, because there's no one We're, ESL sorry, accent. English as a second language. Yeah, there's, I mean, even if you go from Vancouver and then you go to like Winnipeg, it's that far or edmonton even they speak differently like we have different accents different places so i don't think there is a normal i think whatever you're speaking is normal to you or whatever you're used to hearing is normal to you there's a big difference in vancouver i've noticed socioeconomically between accents mm -hmm. now i'm i'm in um a better position than i was when i first got here and i was doing day labor all the people i work with then had really strong thick accents right yeah. and then now yeah, people sound like Americans who say a boot. Anyway, yeah, and I, that's I always my wonder take. too if you, because um, the thing my my boyfriend's been has has only been here for a few months, and his like I I think it's hilarious. I met him like right when he moved here, which was right, nice for him, I guess. Um, but I I find that his accent's not as thick as it was before, and I but I don't know if that's because I'm used to how he speaks now, because there's a lot of slang involved in how he speaks, but we still have things like, uh, he said, oh, I don't know where my, oh my gosh, I totally forget what the word was. It made no sense though, but it was an undershirt. He was talking about his undershirt. His vest. No, it wasn't a vest. It was something else. He's English? No, he's Nigerian. Oh, right. I, it was I a, don't know. Not a onesie, but something else really, I don't know. It was funny. It's a very funny word that he used for it. And so, but we're both laughing because we're both like, no, you're wrong, but we're both right. <laughs> it's just different words for the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was funny. All right, so uh, what can you tell me about fruit basket? Fruit basket? You mean fruit salad? I guess I do. Yeah. I read it in another article where I think they'd written fruit basket, but I'm really? going to have to fact check myself later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm throwing someone under the bus here, but I don't know, so oh, I won't say anything. Under the bus, they deserve it. Uh, so it, it, the radio show is called Fruit Salad, um, yep. which is a show that I took over um, from Sky, who has sadly passed away, and 
it was a, the one of the original gay radio shows in Vancouver. I guess the original. It's been in existence for over 30 years. It's changed names a few times. Um, so it was called Fruit Salad because the idea was that you're taking different queers and kind of putting them on one show. We changed the name recently because we wanted to be able to podcast it across and have it um, syndicated across Canada. So we are now calling it Out and About in Canada. So we're working hard to try and cover queer issues beyond Vancouver. And that's one of the things that happened when I was traveling across Canada was like seeing how queer issues are dealt with in different provinces. For example, Prince Edward Island, the cover of their tourist magazine is a biracial gay couple with their child on a beach. And that is not their gay tourist guide. That is their tourist guide, which is an amazing, amazing thing to see. Like I was tearing and my son's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing. Like that's just how normal it is. Just how so. that was. They were just like, it was just beautiful. I loved it. That made me so happy. Um, so we decided to change the premise of the show to talk about issues not just in Vancouver, but across Canada. So talking to people in communities where they don't feel supportive, talking to people in communities they feel very supportive. But the real thing that we're trying to do, uh, and I'm, I know everyone realizes this, people who are gay have the highest rate of suicide. They are so likely to either live in the closet and be miserable and depressed or commit suicide because they're too afraid to come out of the closet. What we're trying to do with the show is just develop a norm and develop a community and try and put people connect people in their communities wherever they are because in vancouver if you look at people who are queer in vancouver they typically come from other places where they didn't feel safe so they moved to vancouver to feel safe so to me it's really important to get those voices outside of our city to where people are not feeling safe and a part of their community so that's what we're working on doing so people don't have to leave where they're from to be able to feel safe so is it nationally syndicated yet we are working on that. Um, that's one of the things because we made that decision and then right after the Rio Theater picked up Story Story Lie, which I did not think was going to happen. And so and that's for me, me has been quite time consuming. So we're still we're working on that. It's uh, being developed as a podcast right now. You can listen to a coopradio.org uh, out and about in Canada .ca. And yeah, so it's but it's been a great show. It's and we, we work on connecting people with different provinces, talk about stories from across Canada. And it's, it's um, yeah, I really love it. Uh, when's that one on it's thursdays at 7 p.m uh, yeah i think we talked about that earlier mm -hmm. actually uh so it's still it's still the same show as fruit salad it's the same co-host we're just working on trying to to reach outside of vancouver i felt very silly doing a show that was just vancouver because we have a, a fairly supportive queer community here well this this show is uh is actually meant to be broad as well but Good. i've only had success so far with uh, local comics and, and things, but I, I like how it's become part of like a more like a local flavor podcast. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's hard to, to, yeah, it's nice to have people come. I guess if they're touring here, then it's, it's, it's easier to network this way as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, we've got one international guest next week who is actually a Vancouver comedian. So. Oh, very cool. Who's that? Ivan Decker. Oh, I love Ivan Decker. Oh, he's yeah, so great. That'll be a remote one. So you're actually. You'll be the last guest in the Goblin Cave, which is Ooh, this area that we're in. Lucky me. Uh, we're moving next uh, next Saturday. For anyone on CITR, thanks so much for tuning in. That's the end of our time slot, but you can hear the full episode along with other podcasts on cavegoblins.com. For anyone else, stick around. We've still got lots more to talk about with Joe. Before the show, I asked Joe about a comedic influence to talk about mm. today, and uh, she came back with Carol Burnett. So what does she mean to you? Carol Burnett? Yes. So, I mean, I. one of the things I really love about Carol Burnett is when I was younger and watching TV or movies, 
I you always see the women so well put together and and walking so elegantly with their cigarette holders and their lipstick and their gloves and um, I did not get exposed to that much TV growing up either but that was just kind of the the way that I saw an ideal woman being and then also I saw Carol Burnett and she was wearing ridiculous outfits she was falling over herself she was jumping through windows and most importantly she was hosting her own show she was the first woman to uh, host a variety show it's still not normal for women to host their, like if you look at late night television it's there are not women hosting things like that uh, game shows there's a few women now but it doesn't happen very often um so i really adored her for that and also she had an ability to make people laugh but also really to connect and be kind to the audience which i love i think that's very important um that's what I liked about her. Would you say that she influenced your style of hosting? Uh, I definitely spent a long time watching her, but I will say when I get on stage and I'm hosting, I just kind of go into this blind, <laughs> you know? And that ever happens to you, like, you have an intention of what you're going to do. Like, I have a script. I rehearse it, everything. As soon as I get on stage, it just all goes to shit, and whatever happens, happens. And it seems to work. Uh, no one's tried to fire me, since I'm the producer of the show. <laughs> it be pretty hard. Um yeah, but I, I like I work hard because I record everything, so I listen to myself after to make sure everything's sounds good and what else I can do. But I, I think that she's definitely been a, a role model for me with hosting. I also love that she has this ridiculous gummy smile. I have a very gummy smile, and I uh, used to get teased quite a bit for that. So that was one of the things I really liked about her. It's just big gummy smile. So yeah. So I, I have to admit I wasn't uh, really sure uh, who she was when you first mentioned her. Oh, okay. And, and then. Um, until I got in, into my research as well and realized just how influential. And she's still she's, alive. She's in her 80s and she still works. And she loves it. Like she just, she works how much she wants to work, but she loves her fans and she loves the people. And so do you enjoy looking her up? Oh yeah, absolutely. She's um, hilarious. And she's like, she sings and dances everything, but like she does her own stunts to me, like a woman that, I mean, she's like 85 now. I don't think she does her own stunts anymore, but for the longest time she did her own stunts. Which well, I think be is, out there breaking hips like uh, Tom Cruise. In, um, yes. What's he done this time? Oh, that? who cares? <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about him. Yeah. Most known for hosting the Carol Burnett Show, a variety sketch comedy show. Mm-hmm. First of its kind to be hosted by a woman, as, as you said. She was cast in a minor role on the Paul Winchell and Jerry Mahoney show in 1955, uh, where she played the girlfriend of a ventriloquist dummy on, a, on the popular children's program. Do, have you ever seen that? No, I didn't. She did some Broadway as well before she got into doing TV. But they, and they didn't think they should work on TV. They're like, no, people don't want to see a woman like you on TV. <laughs> Which Seems I that was... kind of happens a lot, right? It's like the 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 producers like think they understand what what the people want, and then yeah, something completely different. Like you were saying about your own show, yeah, um, like you're intending for it to be sort of more for kids, and then you know, yeah. But then also for myself hosting, like I'm not I'm not the normal person you would see hosting a a show like that. And when I started doing it, that's one of the things I really liked. Was that I'm not the normal host. I just like age wise. Usually, if you're seeing a woman on stage, she's usually much thinner than I am, showing much more skin than. Although you did see the X-rated show, so I was. I did see that one. I was showing some skin in that one. Um, yeah, so but really, so was uh, Eric Fell. So that wasn't a. a oh, Eric Fell was hilarious. I had no because I've seen that robot Instagram. You guys can see the pictures the on my on Story Story Lie on Instagram. Uh, he calls it the Commodore. It's a hilarious robot. I thought it was long. I did not realize how short it was. And then I go to... Um, well, I think it, it is kind of long, but he's longer. That's possible, yeah. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a very interesting... He's done so well on that show. I've had him on a couple of times now. I just I love having him on. Um, 
yeah yeah so it's uh but yeah i think that it's it's nice to be able to to be a woman and and like run the show and and host the show myself i really appreciate that and yeah but so yeah definitely um look up to carol burnett for that as well for being able to uh, run and host her own show so watch a lot of videos of her hosting and just seeing how kind she is to people and i love it i think it's great i'm sure i'll find that when i um watch more videos i'll realize that she's just already in my subconscious probably seen her already mm-hmm. i mean like i've written down here that she's uh she was personal friends uh with julie andrews mm-hmm. um jim neighbors and lucille ball to name a few yeah and i only found out through this research that the name goma pile comes from a show that she worked on with uh uh, of the same name with Jim Neighbors. I don't even, have you even heard of that before. What is it? You ever watch uh, Full Metal Jacket? Yes. And you know, um, uh, that's what the the drill sergeant calls Vincent D'Onofrio's character. Oh, calls okay. him Goma Pile. So it's like a show about, like, kind of a, a an inept army soldier. In 1967, Burnett leveraged a deal with CBS into creating the Carol Burnett Show, which went on to win 23 Emmy Awards, being nominated for the Emmys and Golden Globes every season it was on the air, which is pretty seasons. cool. Eleven seasons. 11 seasons. She ended and it was a show that nobody thought would work. Like the producers yeah. like, the show isn't going to work, but we want her to be doing these other things. So she's going to do this show. She's going to fail. And then we'll get her back into character acting again. But she's, yeah, and it worked out perfectly. Can I only imagine the kind of stuff going on behind the scenes as well? Like how hard she would have had to fight to keep that going as long as they did. When, well, when they, they, they knew it was people. successful, so they kept it going. But yeah, yeah. And her husband, Joe, was a part of it as well. He's one of the producers. So um, they ended up actually divorcing, but still working together, which I thought was kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. Uh, there's probably a story there. I found out she, she ended each show by tugging on her left ear, which was a message to her grandmother who mm-hmm. raised her. Uh, this was done to let her know that she was doing well and that she loved her. And the check was on the way. <laughs> nice. Her grandma was so worried that she wouldn't be able to make it and was trying not to be too discouraging, but also trying to warn her of like, how the people are just going to take advantage of you. Like you're not what Hollywood wants, but also like trying to be loving and supportive. So that was a just, yeah, grandma. Thing. I'm doing just fine. Just yeah. just chill out. Yeah, yeah, and like long after her grandmother died, she still did it. This is a as a tribute. Written here as well that during the show's run, her grandmother died, and on an intimate portrait episode on uh, Burnett, she tearfully recalled her grandmother's last mon- moments. She said to my husband Joe from a hospital bed, "Joe, you see that spider up there? Uh, there was no spider, but Joe said he did anyhow." Mm-hmm. Uh, she said every few minutes a big spider jumps on that little spider and they go at it like rabbits and then she died <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah there's laughter and everything but she continued the tradition of tugging on her ear after that um i realized the way i said that it sounded like i said tugging on her rear but oh ear no i yeah. cut that all right good well i'll, I'll cut, cut that maybe out. the tugging on her rear was for someone else <laughs> oh maybe yeah if you can find that one send it to uh comedy zeitgeist at gmail.com uh, we've been looking for that video. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you working on right now? Uh, well, Story Story Lies coming back. We took a little hiatus for way too long. So the last show was end of June. It was the championships. So we're starting with a back-to-school-themed show, September 5th at the Rio Theater. So working on getting getting that put together. And then also I'm doing more public call-outs for stories. So every show we're going to have a person who is not really been on a stage like that before. Um, usually a fan of the show or just somebody who found the casting call and decided to submit. Uh, so this time we've got uh, two new people. We've got uh, Marty Layton Lawton, who's an uh, actress that just moved here from Ireland. And we have got a uh, fellow from El Salvador named Gusto. And he is the creator of Latin um, fusion funk dancing. 
Uh, but he's a choreographer, dancer, and really amazing storyteller. I'm really looking forward to it. Can I ask? He's not Antonio Banderas, is he? He's not Antonio. Uh, Gustavo. His name's definitely Gustavo. You know what um, I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, oh, Antonio Banderas. Oh, my God. I totally forgot <laughs> that I told that story. You know, the funny thing is the guy who is Antonio Banderas came to, I was hosting a flamenco fundraiser. I used to do flamenco dancing. Right. And um, I was, uh, I, I tried that out before I got into it. So I was like, I need to do something. And, and that did not work out very well for me. But um, I still loved it. And I'm still uh, attached to the community. So I host some of their fundraising shows. So I'm hosting their flamenco show. And the guy who's Antonio Banderas, who is of Latin descent, uh, came in to see the show and comes up and he just like gives me this hug like every time we see each other he just gives me this big warm embracing hug and the fellow who I'm seeing now we just started seeing each other was there and I was like oh the guy at the bar I'm seeing the guy at the bar he ran off my butt and uh and then I was like I have to tell you something before I go and uh and so I told him that I'd done the story and he was Antonio Banderas and and he was very flattered so yeah what was the what was the stand in stand in celebrity name of the Bruce, other guy? Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Yeah, which would have upset him, but you know, he would have wanted get, to be. Who would get upset at being compared to? He Bruce would want to be Keanu Reeves. He has a the so it was a, the story for people who were not there was about a uh, bi curious boyfriend that I had. Uh, let's say it was years ago, and um and he wanted to try orally satisfying a man, and my friend who I called Antonio Banderas was bisexual. And we were having brunch, and I was like, oh, hey, uh, by the way, my boyfriend, Bruce Lee, wants to <laughs> try giving a blowjob. <laughs> you want to come over after brunch? And that's and so that's what the story was that I told for uh, for that show. And I've, I've told it a couple other times. It always goes really well, but people love the Antonio and Bruce Lee thing. Um, yeah, yeah, you should try and make it out to the So it's about a three-way between lies. myself, Bruce Lee. The timing of the full story makes it so funny. Oh, it was so great. It was such a lovely experience. To watch with your sister. Oh my god, I hadn't even thought about that. Oh, that's hilarious. And we're not that... We, we're close, but we're not that intimate. Was there anything else you want to plug before we wrap up? Uh, weekly story, story, story live. We did the radio show. I think that's about it. Yeah, that's good. Just I, I always strongly suggest people get out and support some local shows. And if they don't like something, don't go back. If you like something, keep going back. Yeah, um, now, you, now you can keep going to the Rio for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. As well, which is very exciting. Yeah, and we're working really hard on, on getting good themes and good theme stories. So we have the back to school one, so it's all really lovely absolutely humiliating stories about people being like elementary school high school we have a one of the performers is a substitute teacher and uh, so beautiful stories about that and then uh october 23rd we have grave decisions which is a halloween themed story so a lot of ghost stories really really creepy i get really creeped out by the idea of ghosts i've been told that the rio is a little bit haunted so i uh i will be on pins and needles the entire evening and then instead of doing because i don't like doing the christmas themed stuff i feel like a lot of people do it anyway so we're doing family feud themed stories so it's everybody's gonna be just bad mouthing their family <laughs> telling really embarrassing stories about family members and that's december 5th and then when we come back in january we'll be doing the the dirty show again um, All right, so go see that December fifth show with your sister, and then yep. say, save the January one for like a significant other or yes, or a or your deceased sister, kung fu if you're star comfortable or something. With that, you know. Uh, so that was Joe Dvorak talking. Is it Dvorak or Dvorak? Dvorak. Dvorak. Either way. I'm All right, I was I was trying to do it like really softly so you couldn't tell which one I was doing. 
but then I decided no, I should have well. asked at the top. Oh, that's totally okay. So that was Joe Dvorak talking about Carol Burnett. Join me next week for the final episode of Season 1 when I talk to Ivan Decker about Erwin Barker. Those are really similar names. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on all social media at Cave Goblins and check out what we're doing over on cavegoblins.com. We've got a Reddit community and a Discord server you can find through our website. So hop on over there. You can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, not Spotify, and everywhere else you listen. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist. See you next time.